Okay, uh, welcome everyone to Dafyomi One Week at a Time, Masechet uh, Yoma. This is our 12th lesson and our final lesson for Masechet Yoma. Uh, so, uh, really, kola kavod to everyone uh, who has been learning Masechet Yoma together uh, with us. And um, I'm going to try to speak quickly uh, and try to get all of these dapim in. Uh, Those of you who are uh, learning one day, one daf a day, we really only, or the world is finishing Masechet Yoma on Thursday. So you do have some time uh, to catch up. But uh, for those of you who are uh, either just learning with me or are, are going ahead, uh, we are going to, or at least I'm going to um, summarize the rest of the the week's daf uh, so that we finish uh, Masechet Yoma together. And um, Be'ezrat Hashem, next Tuesday, we are going to do uh, an introduction to Masechet Sukkah plus the, the five daf from Friday through, um, through next Tuesday. So, uh, more about that at the end. Uh, let's jump into it. So today we're going to do uh, DAF 80, uh, DAF Pei, uh, so 80 through 88 through Pei Chet, which is uh, the end of the Masechet. Um, so DAF 80 finishes or, or continues discussing what we um, ended off last week, which was um, the idea of shiurim. Uh, before I forget, uh, I'd like to, uh, one of our uh, students asked if we can uh, dedicate our learning today for Rifu'ah Shlema to Rafael Chaim Ben Sarah. Uh, so uh, may he have a speedy recovery. Uh, may our learning um, uh, give him that recovery uh, quickly and uh, completely. Um, okay, Daf 80, um, we were talking about shiurim. Shiurim are the halachic amounts that make someone liable for different things. Uh, the Gemara on Daf 80 tells us that in general, um, most things have to do with eating. The amount is what we would call a kezait. A kezait is the volume of an egg, uh, uh, sorry, of an olive. Uh, that this is something that I think people are familiar with the the term kezait. Um, here, uh, as I mentioned last time, for Yom Kippur, the amount, the shiur for eating on Yom Kippur is a kotevet. Uh, a kotevet is this uh, um, is is a a, a fat uh, date, um, and it, it's a larger volume than an olive. Uh, so the Gemara explains that anything that has uh, a different word uh, for, in reference to eating, uh, then it will have a different uh, shiur, a different amount. And a very, uh, we're going to learn a lot of fundamental uh, concepts today, um, but one is a fundamental, I would say, Gemara concept, which is called, uh, at, at least in, in, in Hebrew and, and Aramaic, uh, tafasta meruba. Lo tafasta. Uh, and the explanation is 
If you try to do too much or too many things, you're going to uh, lose out in the end. Uh, here it's used with uh, the idea that if you're trying to make the shear too big, um, if we have basically uh, two competing options, uh, a lower, a smaller volume or a larger volume, we're going to choose the smaller volume. Uh, so that is where it comes in here. Many times in the Gemara, it's brought up with uh, um, either a, a stage trying to encompass too many ideas in one uh, in one uh, go, and, and the Gemara will say if you're trying to do too much, you're going to end up not not accomplishing anything. Uh, so that's just a, a, a famous, I would say, Gemara line, uh, which comes up on Daf um, 80. Okay, uh, another option is, uh, the question is, why is for Yom Kippur, this is the amount? Uh, the answer is because that's the, the amount that fits into your into your throat. Like, I guess you would say that's how much you swallow, uh, and therefore that's considered um, um, how much. Uh, the, the Gemara talks about these shirim, these amounts, and asks, where do they come from? Uh, another concept is... Uh, here, this concept of halacha lemoshe misinai. Uh, this is a law that was given to Moses at Sinai, meaning it's not written down in the Torah. Uh, it is not. Um, it's it's not written down somewhere. It's actually uh, a tradition that was passed down um, throughout the ages. Um, so uh, that is one option for uh, these amounts. Another option is that they were actually created in the beating of Otniel ben Knaz, who was one of the judges uh, that we learn about in the book of Judges. Um, Okay, so we talked about the amount for eating, uh, now the amount for drinking. The Gemara says it's a cheekful, melo lugmav, which is a cheekful of, uh, of a liquid. Um, again, this is very important. Uh, I think I mentioned this last time that if someone uh, cannot fast and, and consult a rabbi, uh, sometimes the rabbi will say, you can do what's called shiurim. You can have a little bit of food or a little sip of water. And that, as we see from this daf in Gemara, would not be considered um, eating. And therefore, it would be okay. Again, uh, not for everyone. This is for extenuating circumstances. So uh, I'm not uh, ruling any laws here. I'm just... Uh, uh, just uh, putting it out there. Um, uh, again, um, the the amount, uh, when we have shiurim, uh, these amounts, the Gemara explains that, let's say, all foods can combine. So if I have a little bite of this and a little bite of that, if it combines to be uh, the amount, the shiur, that would make me liable, they do go together. Uh, the Gemara explains, however, um, that... Um, let's say um, certain things, which the, the next daf will, will get to that. But first, the, the Gemara at the bottom of 80 tells us that all foods combine, even, let's say, food and salt, or let's say salad and salad dressing, even though, uh, you know, eating salad dressing in general is not really eating or drinking kind of thing. But if you put them together, it is considered eating because uh, that's the way you eat food. Interestingly, the Gemara says that if you eat 
in a gluttonous way, meaning you're completely full, and then you eat, that also is not considered eating, which is just interesting to understand. Halachically, me, uh, eating means, uh, you know, taking in food for sustenance, for pleasure. If it's not doing any of those things, um, it might not be considered eating. Um, so, uh, so okay, that's Daf 80. Daf 81 um Again, what if you ate, uh, what if you swallowed something? Is that considered eating or not? Uh, or you ate something that's not really edible. Uh, is that considered eating? Um, and that really is a, that's a discussion um, uh, on the top of 81. Uh, the next idea, again, as I mentioned, in terms of combining, the Gemara says that eating and drinking don't combine, right? Again, they have two different shiurim. They have two different uh, amounts. So, again, drinking is a, a cheekful, whereas eating is uh, the size of a of a date. Uh, and therefore, it's two different um, amounts, so they do not combine. They're two separate Um Okay, the next Mishnah on Daf 81 discusses um, a lapse of awareness. Uh, what happens if I accidentally do one of these things, I transgressed? Um, if you, uh, let's say, forgot that it was Yom Kippur or you forgot that you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur and you ate and you drank, um, you only have to bring one um, sacrifice, uh, a korban chatat, uh, uh, a sin offering, because it was one awareness of eating and drinking, meaning as much as I said that they don't combine in terms of amounts, they're still the same basic idea. Whereas if you ate something and then you did milacha, you did work, which you're not allowed to do on Yom Kippur, those are considered two separate prohibitions, and then you would have to bring two uh, different um, two different sacrifices. Um, and the Mishnah also says that if you ate something that was not uh, not fit to be eaten, meaning it was not um, it was not um, sorry one second uh, it was not let's see if I do this can you see me better now um, or it doesn't matter okay um, if it doesn't matter then um, if you ate something that is not edible. So um, then you um, you are not considered liable for um, for uh, sorry I'm just gonna do this oh no done sorry about that um, okay um, all right so if you eat something that is not edible you are not considered liable you did not uh, you did not um, transgress the the fact that you ate. Um, the, the Gemara says on 81 that you do need a warning uh, for, for eating. Again, as most prohibitions, uh, there needs to be a, um, a warning first, and then you are considered liable uh, for eating uh, or transgressing. Uh, another concept here is what's called Tosefet Yom Kippur. Uh, we add to our fast. Uh, even though really um, you don't have to start fasting till um, exactly sundown, we add a few more minutes um, to our um, to our Yom Kippur experience. Um, 
And uh, interestingly enough, the um, the the Tosefet is also interesting that the the Gemara says that when we eat on the ninth of Yom, of 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 Tishrei, right? When we eat before Yom Kippur, that is a, a mitzvah, right? There's a mitzvah to eat. It's as if we get like bonus points for our fast on the tenth. Uh, and therefore, um, it, it's important to recognize that you um, that you are are getting uh, almost uh, um, um, credit for the eating in preparation um, before uh, before Yom Kippur. Um, so again, it, it's as if it's as if you're fasting almost. Um, ah, okay. So the Gemara continues on eighty one and tells us that. Uh, if you eat, let's say, uh, peppercorn or ginger, things that are not normally eaten in that stage, in that uh, state, uh, that's not considered food, uh, and therefore, um, and therefore, it's not. Uh, it it you you haven't transgressed the the prohibition of eating on Yom Kippur. Um, Okay, you're also uh, not liable if you eat leaves or vines. Uh, again, the Gemara says if, if it's soft and it's edible, so yes, uh, but if it's hard, then no. Um, what about vinegar? Uh, the Gemara says that, um, that uh, vinegar you would be liable to drink, uh, which is, is interesting. Um, Daf 82, we have a new Mishnah. Uh, the new Mishnah is um, is going to talk about children. One second, Lynn wrote something. The one might not have been warned in order to enact early court action. Is it necessary by the heavenly court or is it transgression? Okay, um, excellent. So um, Lynn is asking about warning before one does a, trans, uh, a transgression, a prohibition. Uh, definitely for the Jewish court system, there must be a warning. Um, interestingly enough, for other things, uh, things that have to do with the uh, uh, heavenly courts, um, uh, it's an it's an interesting question if there needs to be warning. Uh, I think the idea of warning is the concept that you need to understand what you're doing before you do it. Obviously, if something is accidental, uh, what we call a, a shogeg, uh, so then um, that obviously is accidental. But if someone is doing something on purpose, um, knowingly, I think part of doing something knowingly is being warned beforehand. Uh, so I would say that it would probably be even, even in terms of um, the heavenly court as well, meaning I can't not I can't, but um, to be held accountable, we need to make sure that really you understood uh, the ramifications of your actions. Uh, and that is what uh, warning um, kind of gives us. Um, okay, the Mishnah on Daf 82 talks about children. Uh, and I think that this is just very interesting in terms of, uh, you know, how we raise our children to understand Yom Kippur. Um, so the, the Mishnah says that children do not fast, um, but 
two or three years before adulthood, again, to remind us adulthood being 12 and 13, bar and, uh, bat and bar mitzvah age uh, for um, uh, children. Um, so we do train them two or three years beforehand. Uh, the Gemara asks, what does this mean, two or three? Is it two? Is it three? Um, so the Gemara says, well, it depends if it's a, a healthy child or a sickly child. Um, that um, what does it mean to train them? So the Gemara su suggests maybe uh, first you fast a few hours uh, and then you practice um, a few times doing the whole thing um, before you you have to you are um, obligated as an uh, as an adult again adult being a 12 year old girl or a 13 year old boy. Um, another option is that. Um, Again, um, it's not about, right, you don't practice the full fast, you just do the hours beforehand, and then uh, when when the child reaches uh, Barobat Mitzvah, that is when they um, they fast a full fast. Um, I, I, there, is a, there is an idea that some people say that uh, the three fasts uh, before your Bar or Bat Mitzvah, you're going to uh, that child is going to practice on those fast days. So again, not three years of Yom Kippur, rather, uh, you know, if your birthday is in November, so you would fast uh, on Yom Kippur, you would fast on uh, Tzom Gedalia and Tisha B'Av. Uh, so I've heard that some people do that. Uh, some people say, uh, you know, you can fast half a day uh, in preparation for becoming uh, a bar or bat mitzvah, but it's interesting to understand uh, there is definitely no obligation to fast before uh, the child is 12 or 13. Uh, so again, this idea of chinuch, of, of training, uh, is, is an important concept. Uh, and it's interesting from what age one does this. Again, uh, as the Mishnah said, two or three years um, beforehand. Um, the Gemara now goes on to um, pregnant women and how they can eat as much as they want. Um, there is this idea, uh, again, another concept, uh, somebody who is sick, and it is uh, life-threatening. Again, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, life-threatening at this exact moment, but it could be life-threatening. Uh, those people are able to eat as much as possible or as much as uh, either they want to or a doctor wants them to. This is a, a, a discussion we're going to see in a minute in the Gemara. Um, uh, what happens if a pregnant, and this uh, kind of goes off on a little interesting tangent, what happens if a pregnant woman, again, we know this concept of um, uh, of um, cravings, even though my husband used to say it's all in your head, right? But the concept of cravings definitely exists. Even uh, you can see here, even in the Gemara and Daf uh, 82 discusses, right? What if a woman who's pregnant uh, craves something non-kosher? Can she eat it? Uh, and again, I'm not, uh, this is not practical. Uh, please don't try this at home. But, but the Gemara actually describes that, um, you know, she, you know, she's, she's uh, tormented by having to eat something that's not kosher. Uh, so you kind of um, dip a stick maybe into the sauce of it and let her lick it and maybe that will calm her down. And if not, uh, then um, maybe, um, maybe uh, give her just, 
uh, a little bit interesting. The Gemara says that if it's pikuach nefesh, if it's going to save her life, uh, then, uh, or if her life is in danger, you can uh, eat uh, non-kosher, uh, which is, again, an interesting concept. And from here, again, another very fundamental idea is that um, the Gemara says that to save a life, you can um, you can uh, do any one of these uh, any any you can transgress any pr- uh, prohibition except for the three I would call them right the three cardinal sins right uh, idolatry avodazara uh, gilui arayot uh, right uh, um, inappropriate relations um, and shvichut damim murder right these are the three uh, sins uh, the three uh, prohibitions that we say it is better to give up your life uh, than transgress them. Um, but uh, every other one, um, we have the concept of v'chai bahem um, and lo lamut bahem, right? We need to survive another day to keep the the commandments. Uh, and uh, the Gemara here goes through each one of the three and explains why they are considered uh, these capital sins, meaning why we don't uh, say, right, if someone says, um, I'm going to kill you if you don't kill uh, so-and-so, uh, as the Gemara says, right, who says your life is more important than their life, right? You don't get to save your life in, and by killing somebody else, uh, and therefore it is better for you to give up your life um, and not take someone else's. Um, the Gemara continues uh, with... Um, Again, with the, the pregnant woman uh, about these cravings on Yom Kippur, the Gemara says, well, if you whisper to her that it's Yom Kippur, maybe she, she'll be calm and she won't want the things. Uh, but if she still desires them, you can, uh, still, uh, you can still give it to her. Uh, Daf 83, um, again, here, uh, here is the, the discussion about what if uh, a person who is sick uh, and it's life-threatening, and, and the person feels that they need to eat, uh, what happens if the expert, if the doctor says they don't need to eat, or vice versa? Uh, so the Gemara in 83 discusses, right, if a sick person says that he needs food on Yom Kippur, but the doctor says no, we listen to the sick person. Uh, the Gemara says a person knows what he needs. Uh, which is very interesting. Uh, uh, again, as a health professional, I don't know if you know that I'm also a chiropractor. Um, a, a, as a as a chiropractor, I've learned over the years to listen to my patients. It's so important. Um, uh, people are, are in tuned with their body and what they need. Uh, so it's very interesting that the Gemara is aware of this and says that even if uh, an expert disagrees, if the person feels that they need to eat, again, uh, this is in a life-threatening situation, then uh, we listen to the person and um, the person can eat. Um, what if the person says they don't need any food, but the doctor says you need to eat? Uh, interestingly enough, now we listen to the doctor, right? Because uh, we want to make sure that that person eats, even if, right, maybe they're too sick, uh, and that's why they're not taking the food. Um, but um, we say that he should eat, uh, the person should eat no matter what. Um, uh, another, um, okay, um, uh, the, the Gemara continues and talks in terms of, like, what if it's three experts versus two experts, we go by majority, 
Um, and uh, now we'll go to uh, the next Mishnah. Okay. Um, the next, uh, the next Mishnah, since we're talking about, um, people who are very sick, um, uh, and needing to eat, uh, the, the Mishnah talks about a, a deathly sickness called bulmus, um, and, uh, it's something that, um, uh, you, you get very sick and you lose your eyesight. Uh, interestingly, in, in the shear that, that I'm in, uh, someone suggested that maybe this is diabetes. Uh, that the person is having like a, a diabetic uh, attack where you right, you can sometimes lose eyesight and you need to eat very quickly to raise your blood sugar. So that's just, just an interesting aside. Um, the, the Mishnah continues, uh, if you're bitten by a rabid dog, um, you can get medicine even if it's not kosher. Um, if your throat hurts, and again here, uh, it's an illness that uh, the symptom is um, your throat hurting. Also, you can take medication, uh, and here um, the the Mishnah continues and talks about um, if a building uh, rocks fall on a person, and unfortunately, this we really learned this daf I, I think a day or two after Surfside, um, so it was I think very very um, uh, very powerful. Uh, that the Gemara is actually discussing what happens if there is a, a collapse of a building and bodies are uh, buried under the rubble. What are our responsibilities? Again, let's say, obviously, during the week, we go and we, we save anybody and everybody. What about on Shabbat? Um, what do we do? And, and the Mishnah tells us that um, if you know, uh, if you're unsure, right, even if you if you don't know if somebody is there or not there, uh, or if the person is alive or not alive anymore, or if the person is Jewish or not, uh, you dig that person, you dig through the rubble, even on Shabbat. Um, if you find the person alive, you continue digging to get them out. Um, unfortunately, if you find uh, if you find uh, that the person has died, uh, so then you leave the body till after Shabbat, uh, and then you dig them out. Um, so, um, uh, okay, let's continue to the Gemara. Uh, we'll get back to this in a minute. Um, but first, uh, since we were talking about uh, bulmus, uh, the Gemara talks about uh, again uh, giving the person whatever the the idea is that the person needs to eat right away. Whatever is closest to you, you give it to them, uh, whether it's not kosher or kosher. Obviously, it would be better if it was kosher, uh, whether it's prohibited or not, right? Uh, if it's uh, tevel or, right, um, truma, things that maybe you, you're not allowed to eat in general. Um, but again, to save a life, it's okay. The Gemara does add, however, if you have an option between two things, take the lesser prohibition. Um, so the Gemara goes through different things and what is best for them. Um, interestingly, the Gemara says that something sweet uh, is good for them. That's why, again, somebody uh, suggested that maybe this is uh, diabetes um, and that uh, maybe that's why, you know, he needs, the person needs to eat something sweet very quickly. Uh, and here, um, a, a very interesting story about uh, three sages uh, that stayed in an inn, uh, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Huda. And the Gemara says that Rabbi Meir had, um, I would say, a custom to 
um, kind of try to understand people's names. And by understanding their names, he, they, he, they would get a better, he would get an idea of what their personality was like. Uh, so they ended up staying in this inn. And uh, Rabbi Meir says that the, the innkeeper's name uh, suggested that he is um, um, not a, a dishonest person. Uh, so the other two sages uh, deposited their money with the innkeeper. Rabbi Meir did not. Um, and... Um, uh, to, it's an interesting story. Rabbi Meir puts his money uh, in the cemetery in the innkeeper's father's grave, and then uh, the innkeeper goes to sleep Friday night and has a dream that his father comes to him and says, I have money, somebody put money in my grave. And then uh, the innkeeper wakes up and tells Rabbi Meir, I had this crazy dream. And Rabbi Meir says, oh, no, no, dreams that you dream on Friday night, they don't really mean anything. Uh, but then Rabbi Meir realized that something's going on. So he ends up sitting by the grave the whole day to make sure that the innkeeper doesn't steal his money. And then after Shabbat, uh, the other two, to uh, Chachamim go to the innkeeper and they say, okay, give us back our money. And he says, what are you talking about? I don't have your money. Um, so they come up with a plan how to get the money back. Um, so uh, they, they get him a little drunk and uh, they see that he has lentils in his beard. And um, the, the, then they go to the wife and they say, uh, the innkeeper told us to come to you to get our money. Uh, he, and he said, like, the, the, the password is that we had lentils for lunch. Uh, right, because they saw the lentils in the beard, uh, and she gives them the money because they, uh, you know, they knew what he had for lunch, and how would he have known? How would they have known that? Uh, when the innkeeper finds out uh, that she gave them the money, uh, he actually kills her. Uh, and and the the moral of the story is uh, the Gemara says uh, that uh, because someone didn't do maim achronim. Uh, he it ended up in murder. What does that mean? My mechornim is accustomed to wash your fingers after you eat a meal. Uh, but part of that custom is that, let's say, if you have a, a mustache and a beard, after you wash your fingers, you kind of wash your face. Um, and this man did not wash his face, and then that's how they knew that there were lentils, uh, and that's how the innkeeper's wife was killed. Uh, so that is, a, I think, a pretty crazy story, um, but uh, let's continue. Um, uh, the Gemara talked about a rabid dog and how uh, it's important to um, make sure that you get treatment for it. Uh, uh, the DAF, DAF 84 uh, tells you what you should do, uh, you know, take off your clothes and bury them and uh, 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 bury your clothing for 12 months and drink from this. Anyway, it's a it's a, an interesting uh, remedy. You can look at it on, on DAF 84. Uh, another illness called Tzafdina, which was this uh, illness of the throat. Um, so there was apparently a, a secret recipe uh, that uh, uh, Rabbi Yochanan got this woman to share. Uh, the Gemara says, and then he went and shared it with everybody. And it was really a Chilul Hashem. Uh, Chilul Hashem meaning uh, it was a... Uh, uh, a disgrace, or it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, I don't know how to say it. Uh, you're, you're disgracing the name of God, right? It's really like not a good thing. Um, 
and we should not do that, right? We should be, uh, we should bring God's name uh, to the world in a positive way, not in a negative way. Uh, another illness, Yarkon, this is like jaundice. Um, again, uh, anything that is life-threatening, if there is a remedy, uh, you can give them the remedy, even interestingly enough, even if it is non-kosher, uh, as long as it has a therapeutic value, it's okay. If not, uh, then no. Um, and again, the idea that you can take the medicine on Shabbat, um, Okay, uh, next, uh, the next um, very big and important concept is um, what's called, um, right, safek nefashot doche shabbat, uh, that in order to save a life, one can uh, desecrate the shabbat, um, that we do everything that we can to save a life, even if it means uh, breaking the laws of shabbat. Uh, and interestingly, the Gemara says, not only for this Shabbat, but even for next Shabbat. Uh, so let's say there's this idea that uh, you're not really supposed to take medication on Shabbat. Uh, and let's say you have to take a 10-day uh, course. Uh, so you might think, oh, um, now it's Friday. Maybe I should wait till Sunday. So I only have to take the medicine on over one Shabbat. The Gemara says, no, if you need to take medicine, you need to take it. Uh, even if it is over two Shabbatot, uh, it is important. Uh, your health is important, and therefore you should take that medicine. Um, again, uh, you can save uh, a person who's drowning on Shabbat um, with a net, even if, interestingly enough, you're going you're gonna to trap fish in your net. Uh, again, you don't have to ask permission. You can just do it. Uh, the Gemara. Oh, so here is going to be like four cases of different things that you can save someone on Shabbat. So the first one is in the sea with a net. The next one is you can save a person from a well uh, by removing the rim of the well. Um, the third is to break a door to get a child out, uh, even though it's going to break up the wood into like uh, splinters that you can then burn easily. Uh, and the last one is you can extinguish and prevent a fire from spreading, uh, even though you're, again, when you extinguish fire, you're making coal. Uh, and the Gemara explains on 84 that you need, we need all four of these uh, examples because each one of them you might have thought, oh, this one I can do, but this one maybe I can't. Uh, and therefore the Gemara brings up all four of these, um, all four of these cases. Um, the Gemara says we do not um, follow statistical majority for uh, saving a life. As, as I mentioned before, right, if, uh, if it's 10 non-Jews and one Jew in a building and it collapses, unfortunately, we dig out the bodies um, because, again, to save a life, uh, we are not looking at majority here. Every life counts and we're going to um, try to save uh, as many people as possible. Um, Okay, uh, DAF 85 um, talks about, again, since we were talking about statistics, um, when do we follow majority? When do we say there's a 50-50 chance? So uh, the Gemara talks about finding a baby uh, in, you know, in the middle of a road or, or next to a city or in a city. Uh, if the majority of people in the city are non-Jewish, we assume that the baby is non-Jewish. Uh, if the majority uh, is Jewish, we assume it's Jewish. Uh, if it's 50-50, we assume that it's Jewish and non-Jewish, depending on which law. And the, the Gemara goes here, goes through which laws are uh, the practical application for this case. 
Um, again, as I mentioned, um, we're going to clear rubble, even if we're not sure if, if there is a body there, because again, that's very important. Um, but we don't, as I mentioned, um, we don't save a dead body, uh, a corpse from uh, the building. Again, we're going to wait till after Shabbat and then uh, dig out the, the body. Uh, interesting conversation about um, how do we determine uh, if the, the, the person is, is alive or not? Uh, so the Gemara says it's a machloket. Uh, one option is breath, right? If there's um, breath coming out of the nose. Um, the other option is uh, the heart, right? Is there a heart rate? Uh, and interestingly enough, this daf is uh, one of the sources for how do we determine death, right? Again, uh, if, if someone is on a respirator, right, if they can't breathe on their own, uh, are they considered uh, alive or not, right? We have uh, now machines that keep people alive um, based, you know, because the, the machine is breathing for them. Again, um, heart rate, breathing, and, and obviously nowadays we can figure out brain function. Um, so that's just a, an interesting, very, uh, a very, I would say, uh, controversial, but very important uh, uh, concept uh, here on this DAF, on, uh, on uh, DAF 85. Um, 85 continues on, as I mentioned, pikuach nefesh doche Shabbat, uh, to save a life, we can transgress the Shabbat. The Gemara asks, how do we know? Uh, and there are uh, numerous uh, examples given of, of uh, um, I would say, correlations or parallels. Uh, we know that if uh, someone breaks into our house uh, in order to steal something, but I don't know that, I can uh, defend myself by killing that person. Uh, so then if I can defend myself by killing, uh, I can definitely uh, um, save someone's life by transgressing the Shabbat. Uh, the, the Gemara talks about uh, a few other ideas. Uh, the final one is uh, what I mentioned before, v'chai bahem. Uh, the Torah says that these commandments, these mitzvot were given to us so that we can live by them uh, and not die by them. Uh, and that, the Gemara says, is foolproof. Um, and that would be kind of the the bottom line. Um, okay, next Mishnah, uh, again, fundamental concepts. And, and again, uh, I think really fascinatingly, uh, you all have been learning Masechet Yoma about Yom Kippur, uh, right, for 80, uh, 80 some odd days. Uh, only now on Daf 85 are we going to talk about um, atonement of sins. Uh, so that's just very interesting. I think uh, for all of us, if I asked you uh, a few months ago, what does Yom Kippur mean to you? I would think you would say prayer, uh, repentance, uh, atonement. Uh, we have not mentioned these things. We've mentioned them as an aside, uh, but it's only really coming up in the last few uh, dapim. So I just think it's just fascinating uh, in terms of how we view Yom Kippur. Um, um, excellent, Lynn. Beautiful uh, idea on the chat, right? Lynn says 84 pages of preparation and preparation is everything. So uh, uh, excellent. I think it also gives us perspective of what it was like in the time of the temple and how much we're missing that experience. Okay, let's talk about uh, atonement. So uh, the Mishnah on, on Daf 85 tells us that we get atonement by bringing sacrifices um, and by doing tshuva, by doing repentance, uh, by death, 
and uh, by Yom Kippur, which again is very interesting. I'm going to bring it up in a minute. Um, but what does that mean that the day brings us atonement? Uh, is that something active or passive? So uh, hold on. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, uh, the Gemara says that uh, you can't say, oh, uh, I'll do this sin, but it's okay because I'll do, I'll, I'll do, I'll repent for it afterwards. And then I'll do it again, but it's okay because I'll do repentance right afterwards. Uh, tshuva does not work that way. Uh, that's not a way that we do tshuva. Uh, we, we have to be sincere in our uh, atonement, in our, I should say, repentance. Um, the Gemara says that uh, if we are talking about sins or transgressions between us and God, uh, that's something that I can be in prayer over uh, and ask for forgiveness from God. Uh, but it's something that if it's something that was between myself and uh, my fellow man, uh, that is something that I, I can't just do Chuvan Yom Kippur by myself. Um, rather, I need to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. Um, so that is just very important. Uh, it, the Mishnah continues that we are all purified by God, a beautiful image that God is like a mikvah. Uh, again, the, the verse, the word mikvah here in the verse really means like tikva, as in hope. God is our hope. Uh, but the, the play on words is like a mikvah, like a our, our ritual bath that God purifies us like the, uh, the, the, the mikvah purifies uh, an impure person. Um, so uh, the Gemara continues uh, and tells us again, as I mentioned, that uh, you need to do tshuva, uh, again, repentance and have Yom Kippur. Uh, oh, another opinion is you don't. You just need Yom Kippur. That, so that's an interesting concept that uh, Yom Kippur is enough um, to affect atonement, that um, there's a power to the day, even if I don't stand in shul and, you know, and ask for forgiveness, just going through that day, maybe it's about the, the afflictions, as we mentioned in, in last week's uh, class, uh, the fact that I'm not eating, I'm not drinking, uh, maybe that is, that suffering is enough uh, to bring atonement. Um, the Gemara then goes through um, different uh, commandments or different mitzvot, uh, how do we get atonement for each one? Um, and uh, again, um, um, for more serious ones, you need more. For less severe ones, you might need less. Um, the, the Gemara describes three types of atonement. Uh, if you uh, violated a mitzvah aseh, a positive commandment, uh, so then you do tshuva, you do repentance, and you're forgiven right away. Again, an ase, violating an aseh is seen as the lowest level uh, or the least, uh, uh, the least serious. Um, the second is an ase and a lotase, meaning uh, you you did something that you weren't supposed to do. Um, then the tshuva suspends any uh, any type of suffering that you might have, and then when Yom Kippur comes, you gain atonement. Um, and the last one is things that are very serious, ones that uh, hold capital punishment. Uh, you need tshuva, you need Yom Kippur, um, and you need uh, afflictions, right? These afflictions or sufferings, um, those, are, those come to cleanse you. Uh, and the last one, I would say the worst, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, Chilul Shabbat, right? Um, 
um, desecrating God's name. Um, none of these help, uh, and you need basically death in order to fully cleanse you or uh, atone for uh, the sins. Um, okay. Um, ah, so, and, and the Gemara says how God's name should be ah, a, a beautiful idea. If we're talking about Chilul Hashem, uh, so the opposite would be Kiddush Hashem. We want to, uh, right, Jews are meant to sanctify uh, God's name. Uh, a, a, the, the line in the Gemara was beautiful, that God's name should be beloved because of you, right? People should love God because of you, because of your actions, because of the things that you do uh, for others um, and you inspire other people, that is what we would call a Kiddush Hashem. Um, the Gemara now uh, beautifully uh, on Daf 86 um, talks about the power of um, repentance of tshuva and how tshuva um, brings healing to the world again for the rifuah lema again tshuva brings healing tshuva um, out of love um, it, it makes it as if you've never sinned before tshuva uh, out of fear again um, how do we do tshuva is it because we love God and we want to get closer are we doing tshuva because we're afraid of the punishment uh, so the Gemara says both of them are important uh, they sometimes have different um, uh, consequences um, so again if you do tshuva out of love it's as if you've never sinned if you do it out of fear it's as if you've, you've sinned but you are forgiven tshuva uh, um, um, goes all the way up to the the heavenly throne. Uh, tshuva brings the redemption. Um, just beautiful concepts about about uh, repentance. Uh, the idea that uh, when you do tshuva, your sins um, become as if like they were just mistakes or even uh, they become merits, right? We talk about this when we get closer to Yom Kippur, we talk about our sins becoming merits, schuyot, a schut, uh, and that is when we do tshuva out of, uh, out of love. Um, tshuva um, brings long life, um, and uh, really just beautiful ideas about um, uh, tshuva saving the world, um, the idea of a Baal tshuva, a person who does tshuva. Um, what does that mean? As someone who is tempted by the same sin that, that that person transgressed beforehand, if you are faced with the same sin um, and you don't do it again, uh, that is called a Baal tshuva, right? Someone who has uh, repented completely. Uh, the Torah talks, uh, the Gemara talks about God uh, forgiving uh, if you do things once, twice, three times, but already four times, that's already too much. Um, do we confess, there's a machloket, if we confess only this year's uh, transgressions, uh, or do we go back to previous years? Uh, you know, so on one hand, we're supposed to forget the things that, that are in the past. On the other hand, um, when we're aware of things that we've done, uh, that makes it a little bit more serious. Uh, so that's like a, a machloket. Um, you need to specify uh, what the sin was, right? Which is why, uh, if you remember on Yom Kippur, we have all the al-chaits, 
We have a whole list of all these different transgressions. Uh, another opinion is you don't have to be specific. If you don't remember, that's also okay. Uh, the Gemara talks about uh, King David wanting to hide his sins versus Moshe who wanted to publicize his sins. Uh, so it's interesting uh, to understand, um, do, we, do we say them out loud? Do we keep them to ourselves? Um, right uh, at the bottom of 86, uh, the fact that we enter the world naked and we leave the world naked, uh, this idea that we want, to we want to leave the world with as few uh, sins as possible, and therefore we're going to do tshuva uh, when we can. Um, DAF 87 talks about uh, different sages trying to maintain their humility, uh, how, how uh, righteous people should always be humble and not attract uh, too much attention. Um, and um, if you create a schut, uh, a merit for the public, you won't be tempted into sin. Um, and again, um, how uh, Rebbe would, would agree that if you do sin deliberately, um, then um, for Yom Kippur to atone, it's not enough, and you do need to do um, tshuva. Uh, again, if, if a man, uh, again, if one person forgives the other, then God will forgive us. Um, if you insult somebody, you have to ask for forgiveness. Again, uh, beautiful ideas that uh, tshuva or, or repentance isn't only about um, the the commandments or the mitzvot that we're supposed to be keeping, but even in the way of um, how do we act towards our fellow uh, our fellow people, uh, right? Meaning, if we um, treat someone. Uh, with disrespect, if we treat somebody poorly, uh, part of preparing for Yom Kippur is um, um, trying to appease that person. So you you should ask for forgiveness. Uh, the concept, again, very famously is on this daf on 87, uh, that you can ask uh, once, twice, three times. Um, after three times, if the person doesn't forgive you, the Gemara says God is going to forgive you, meaning uh, the person can uh, ask up to those, you know, three times. Um, uh, and after three times, that's it. You don't have to keep asking. Um, what if the person dies um, before you are able to ask for forgiveness? Uh, very interesting idea. Uh, the Gemara says uh, that you bring 10 people to the grave and you ask for forgiveness at the grave. Uh, what's interesting is uh, if you've been to a Jewish, uh, a Jewish funeral, many times um, people who um, speak at the funeral will ask for forgiveness from the, the deceased, right? So they'll say, uh, if I've ever uh, harmed you or did anything uh, wrong, please, please forgive me. I think that's based on this uh, Gemara. Also, the Chavra Kadisha, um, the people who prepared uh, the body for, uh, for uh, Jewish ritual burial, uh, they also ask forgiveness, usually uh, either at the funeral or at the graveside. Uh, they will say, you know, we try to do it with the, the, most, um, the most honor to you, and we ask you for forgiveness if we offended you in any way. So I think that that's based on this daf. Um, Okay, um, uh, here again, uh, stories of 
of, of people who, uh, I guess, have wronged others and how they asked for forgiveness. Here, uh, Rav asked forgiveness 13 times from Rabbi Hanina. This was a very interesting story. Rabbi Hanina did not, um, did not uh, want to forgive Rav. And the, the question was why? Uh, and interestingly, because we know, right, that we're supposed to also be very forgiving. We don't hold grudges. We should forgive anybody uh, who has wronged us. Uh, so the Gemara adds that Rabbi Hanina had a dream that Rav would be a great uh, Rosh Yeshiva. He would be a great leader of the study hall of the of the yeshiva, and therefore Rabbi Hanina understood that if he doesn't forgive Rav, uh, Rav would be so upset that he would move to Bavel, and uh, over there he would have a chance to become the Rosh Yeshiva, and that's exactly what happened, which is crazy. Uh, Rav used to live in Israel, and because Rabbi Hanina didn't forgive him, he actually moves, I don't know if it's because of, but uh, he was upset, and he moves to Bavel, and in Bavel he does become the Rosh Yeshiva. So it's an interesting uh, discussion about forgiveness and how that's so important uh, and like kind of destiny and how we're destined uh, sometimes for uh, many times for greatness. So that was just very interesting. Uh, Daf 87 uh, talks about uh, the mitzvah of vidui, again, of atonement. We did see this in the temple, how the Kohen Gadol would say vidui, right? Uh, uh, ask for forgiveness from God. Uh, we do it uh, as Yom Kippur starts. Actually, the Gemara explains we're supposed to do it in Mincha before we eat uh, the afternoon meal before Yom Kippur. This is famously because, right, lest you become incapacitated on Yom Kippur and you're not allowed, you cannot um, do any of the, say any of the prayers on Yom Kippur, we do one of them before Yom Kippur. Um, and how we say vidui, again, vidui are all the al um and, and the the paragraphs before and after. So we do them in every prayer of Yom Kippur. Again, we have five prayers of Yom Kippur. Uh, you do them uh, for the, if you're, if you're praying by yourself, uh, you do it at the end of the prayer, at the end of the silent Amida. Uh, if you're doing it as the um, in shul uh, all together, then in the repetition, that's done in the middle. Uh, what do you say? And they're different um, paragraphs that are mentioned here in the Gemara, right? God, you know all the secrets of the world. Therefore, you know all the sins that I've done. And please give me, uh, please forgive me, right? Uh, uh, God, I'm nothing and uh, I'm nothingness and a, a lot about humility. Um, you need to stand up when you say vidui. Um, the 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 Gemara talks about ni'ilah. Ni'ilah is the famous final prayer of Yom Kippur. Uh, it is a, a unique prayer uh, only of Yom Kippur. Uh, Ni'ilah is that it, it's an extra tefillah and a special tefillah uh, that is done uh, at the end of Yom Kippur. Um, so uh, uh, the last daf, daf 88, um, talks about going to the mikvah on Yom Kippur, which is a fascinating discussion, uh, though interestingly enough, we do not say uh, that this is the case, uh, um, that nowadays, uh, if you need to go to the mikvah, you do not go on Yom Kippur, you go uh, the day after or the night after Yom Kippur, um, but because um, um, Again, uh, the, the Gemara posits uh, that uh, 
a, a person who has uh, a man who has a seminal mission in the time of the Gemara was not allowed to pray. Uh, that is not the case nowadays. Uh, in those days it was, and therefore the Gemara says uh, in order to be able to pray, uh, the person needs to be able to go to the mikvah. And therefore uh, the Gemara says that the person can go uh, to the mikvah. Um, interestingly, um, the, the Gemara then, uh, the, the last uh, discussion is uh, about having a, a seminal emission uh, on Yom Kippur uh, and how um, it shows, uh, if this happens, uh, it, it, that it shows that you're forgiven of all your sins. Um, uh, interestingly, right, if you have a whole year without any seminal emissions, it means that you're going straight uh, to the to the next world, meaning uh, olam haba. Um, and if you uh, if you do have a, a seminal emission on Yom Kippur, the Gemara ends by saying that you will live a long life and have many children and grandchildren. Uh, and with that, uh, um, we finish uh, Masechet Yoma. Uh, again, I would like to remind us of all um, really the the uh, amazing sugyot, uh, the amazing topics that we've discussed. Uh, I was thinking if you want, uh, we actually have uh, four minutes left. Um, if you wanted maybe to share uh, something that uh, you learned or something that uh, affected you or something you're taking away uh, from learning Masechet Yoma, uh, I would love if you wanted to unmute yourself and uh, share with the class, maybe. Um, uh, I think it's very important at the end of a Masechet uh, to kind of reflect back. Uh, as you see, I think the last sugyab might not speak to everyone, uh, but definitely the last uh, daf or two about tshuva, I think, are very powerful. Um, so I definitely encourage all of you, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, there is uh, an idea that when you make a siyum, when you finish a masechet, uh, you have a party, uh, and that usually involves a meal. Uh, so um, there are those who would be interested, next week are, are the nine days where you're not supposed to eat meat. However, if you finish a masechet, uh, and you are making a siyum, you can actually have a siyum next week uh, and have a barbecue and serve meat uh, and uh, all your guests can come and eat meat. Uh, so I know that there are some people who are uh, saving this seum for next week. So I'm just putting it out there as a as a, a, a an opportunity if one wanted one. Um, but uh, again, if if someone wants to share something that they learned from this masechet or from learning together, uh, this could be a nice opportunity to do so. Uh, would anybody like to share something? No silence. <laughs> um, it's it's okay. I just admire the way that you can condense <laughs> all this learning into one hour. It's incredible. Um, thank you, thank you. Um, how is uh, how is learning this masachet going to affect your Yom Kippur? Um, nothing different. I do my fast go very well. I don't miss eating or drinking. So, okay. But it's good to know. Okay, excellent. 
Excellent. Anybody anybody else want to share? No? Okay. Hi, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. The, the insights that you've given us, uh, yeah, I definitely, when we, when we, Davin on Yom Kippur about the Avoda, definitely will have more insights uh, <laughs> as to what, what's being talked about. Uh, excellent, excellent. I think that, uh, and as Lisa mentioned in the chat as well, uh, the difference between uh, Yom Kippur in the temple as opposed to what we do in our uh, in our temple uh, is very interesting. Um, then uh, it, it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition to really think about uh, what it was like in those days. Uh, and maybe to help us uh, um, be inspired by that as well. Um, so excellent. Uh, really, thank you all uh, so much for joining us. Uh, this is really a, a really an incredible opportunity uh, to learn together. And um, looking forward to starting in Sukan next week. Uh, so there will be lots of pictures. We're going to go back to pictures and uh, uh, lots of pictures next week, hopefully. And uh, looking forward to learning uh, together next week. Okay. Thank you. Thank Tamara. you, everyone. Thank you very much. Good.